0: We need to talk.
1: Yes, good afternoon everybody. Hello and welcome along to We Need to Talk with MJO, the marketing podcast that is to marketing what guitar solos are to reggae. That's right, my name is Michael John Oliver, great to have you along and we have much to discuss this afternoon. Chris Howard, marketing director at Lace Partners will be along shortly and we'll be talking about how to build and scale a marketing team, what to look for, what mistakes to avoid and how to make sure it sticks plenty to cover before we hit the top of the hour because my friends we have issues and we need to talk.
0: We need to talk.
1: But first we're taking in the view from the mountaintop seeing all that we can see and this week I want to pay a, a special Special tribute to the forgotten heroes of the recruitment world we we never see their faces or even hear their voices but we know their names and we know their desperate pleading words I speak of course of the recruitment's cold email outreach you know that trusted bastion of business building that breaks bold across the bow of HMS outlook tackling the high seas of incredulity and setting sail for your inbox Yes, ladies and gentlemen, let's pay tribute to the cold recruitment email because it, quite frankly, deserves it. We are living in troubling times. I don't need to rattle off details, but I will. You know, The cost of living, war, Nigel Farage's bank account, industrial action, Simon Sinek's entire shtick, it weighs heavy on the soul, my friends. But amid the chaos, there is one constant that we can rely on, the cold outreach email from a recruitment company. It's it's like having someone buy you around at the pub. It, It brings that certain kind of comfort. And these emails all tend to be the same, don't they? They start with a standard greeting, perhaps dabbling in a cheeky, hey, or what's up, big boy, which is then immediately followed by hope that the email has found you well and not lying in a pit of existential despair of which no light can penetrate and then it dispenses with the oxbridge pleasantries and gets right to the turkey. Are you looking to hire talented professionals into your marketing team this calendar year? Well no my friend, I'm not looking to hire anyone in this calendar year, but I am looking to hire someone this lunar year, mon frere, for you see, I'm a very spiritual man and this is the year of the rabbit. I hope this hops to the point. But it's not too late for a very important date. It's right on time. And with this classic cold email zinger, I am working with a talented marketing professional who is passionate about joining your organization and or team. And like a rabbit in the headlights, you've caught me. I just so happen to be looking for a person who is passionate about about joining my organization and or team. So tell me more about this person, kind stranger. And then the email goes on and hits you with this. This marketing expert has more than 20 years experience running a global marketing division and generating revenue of eight figures, has won dozens of awards, has walked on the moon, was elected Pope by a conclave of cardinals, can see through time, and was named by Time magazine as person of the year in 2006. Wow, good golly Miss Molly. I should be so lucky that a candidate of such pedigree would want to work for a modest marketing team like mine, but. Pray tell, cold email, what salary are they looking for? Well, they will be willing to join for a salary of all the gold in Atlantis and a new laptop. Well, shit, look, I'm a generous guy, but I need to be honest, and I'm, I'm willing to pay for quality, but I can't afford no laptop. No, this is a Windows 95 shop here, bucko. And with that, you delete the email, never to look at it again. Until it comes back on itself. You get that reply, don't you? That reply that says, Dear Michael, I hope this email finds you well again, because it did find you, you son of a bitch. Any thoughts on my last email? Can I book you in for a 90-minute introductory call in five seconds? That ringing sound is me. It's me, Michael. Answer my email. Answer my email. And there's no escaping it. The cold email always wins. But then you see the guiding light amid the darkness, the tiny blue link that says unsubscribe. Oh, bless your heart, GDPR. I knew you would come in handy some way. Until the next cold email finds its way to your inbox. And that, my friends, regretfully, is the view from the mountaintop. We need to talk. It is 20 minutes to one. Chris Howard, Marketing Director at Lace Partners, is on the line with us this afternoon. Good afternoon, Christopher. How are you doing, MJ? Hello, how are I, you doing? I'm doing very well. How many cold emails do you get per chance? What, well, per day? Do you know what? From. I
0: was just listening to what you were saying. Absolutely brilliant stuff. I got one this morning. Go Literally on. got one this morning. And you might as well have just written it just there. If I just had some sort of auto transcriber, you probably I could have put, put them side by side with what you just said. It felt almost identical. Do, do you want to say something really funny, though? I got me. a phone call earlier on in this week, and it was a recruiter phoning me up saying, um, "Oh, hey Chris, how you doing? Uh, good to chat again." And I went, "Yeah, have have we ever spoken before?" And he said, "Yeah, I sent you an email about some prospects last week." And I was like, "Yeah, but we haven't actually spoken, have we?" And he's like, "No." And I went, "Okay, you know, thank you very much for your time, but uh, I'm just about to go for a run, so goodbye." <laughs>
1: that is extremely cheeky and it's the it's the kind of thing where people think just because you get so many emails and you have so many video calls like oh yeah of course random man from acme recruitment of course i've spoken to you but here's the thing you would have thought that they would have a response to we haven't literally spoken a word together in our lives like you would have thought there would be like a, a snappy script or some kind of comeback but the fact that they are kind of dumbfounded by it means They didn't even expect it to get that far. No. Sir, we do have issues and we need to talk. And there comes a time in every marketing director's life when they realize as good as they are, they can't do it all on their own. A lonely marketer never prospers. They only walk around in circles. But the thought of growing a marketing team from scratch can be a daunting prospect. And who should that first hire be? What do you get them to do? And what if they get bored? What if they think you're just full of shit? And what if it turns out that you're the Oppenheimer in their Barbie land of their career? I mean, Chris, growing a team of any kind is hard. But how do you prepare yourself to even start that process?
0: Well, apologies if some of this sounds a bit boring and uh, like people have, uh, I'm teaching people to suck eggs, but it does actually start from my my perspective with understanding what your original plan is and what the the low-hanging fruit is that you need to get up first. So um, I joined my current business in 2019 um, and we were a lot smaller than we are now uh, as an organisation, Lace Partners. We're a HR consultancy, about 100 people we've got at the moment, Uh, but with about 15 of us when we started. And the first thing that I did was actually start to map out what are the quick wins that I need to actually deliver? And then once I've got those quick wins, so simple stuff that will, all of the marketers listening to this will, will know, it was, what's the brand? How do we define the brand? Um, what's the look and feel of it? Um, how do we actually generate inbound leads? Just start mapping out your ideas on that plain piece of paper. And then it's it's as simple as get yourself your list, your top, top 10 or top 20. And then start to work out okay well what can i deliver myself you deliver those things and you show value first and foremost to your business up and fr- up up front and then after that you start to say okay well look at how much successes i've already had just me so now let's see if we can take this to the next level and i think being clear in your communication as to i'm going to do this and this is what i hope will be the outcomes i think that's a really, really important thing just
1: from my own personal experience. Can you tell me a little bit about what the marketing team at LACE looks like? Kind of put that into perspective for us. Yeah, sure.
0: So we've got, uh, I have a a, a kind of brand lead uh, who focuses on all of the brand that we have within the business. So that is about uh, internal, um, you know, LACE brand communications that we do, but it's also about how we are represented externally. She has a graphic designer that works within her, a fabulous team uh, that we call the creative services, our brand lead and uh, our graphic designer. Um, And then that's one side, which is all to deal with the creative, the visuals, the look and feel. How do we be consistent? Um, And how, how do we support the business in delivering that consistency with ever, anything that we do externally. And then on the other side of the team, it's more about the more traditional sort of marketing comms, if you like. So that's the email marketing, it's uh, website management, etc. And I've got a, a senior marketing manager that uh, sort of runs that team. And uh, she has a fabulous job and we have a digital marketer focusing on the website and social media elements. And then we have a marketing assistant who supports the, the two of them as
1: well. So. Who was the first person you remember hiring, or not much less than named, but rather the first position you hired for? And why was that the first one you went for?
0: So there was already somebody within our business that we then just migrated across into more of a marketing-focused position. Um, and that was, so it was a bit of a uh, biosmosis, really, um, that it came about. And uh, she joined the business um, really to support me with all of the execution of some of our activities. So, we ran a large scale event at the time. So, that was a big chunk of the first sort of six months that we spent. Um, but then it was also around getting people to come along to that event and managing parts of the website. So, it was a bit of a marketing generalist type role because the team and the company was quite small. But as we've grown and as we continue to grow, we're starting to look, and this is what we've done we've started to build out specialists. So people that can focus on the brand, because as you've got a larger business, you've got more outputs that come out um, from your organization. Uh, There's more content that we produce. So when I first started joining the business, we'd have one or two pieces of blogs that we do maybe every couple of months. And one of the things that I said to our founders was, If we want to be known as a thought leader, we need to be producing interesting content in different mediums and across different channels. And in order to do that, I'm going to need the help of the business as the subject matter experts. But then I'm also going to need to have people execute it for me. So it was that first person as a bit of a marketing generalist like myself. And then as we've grown to a certain size, it's okay. now we need somebody who's a brand specialist. Now we need somebody who's a digital marketing manager. Now we need uh, support for them that can uh, Operate across a little bit more of a generalist basis.
1: How much of that did you pre-plan, or was it just a case of the the situation or the business case where it was so obvious it needed to be executed on?
0: Um, the brand stuff definitely, um, and obviously, Michael, you and I know each other uh, quite well. We um, and We, we used do. to work together, and as you know, I'm not really a uh, design brand specialist. I've, I've, I can do it but the visuals I'm talking about, you know, I can, I enjoy content writing. I enjoy producing. Uh, I do, I do words rather than the visuals. And so in my head, I'd always had that the next person that I come like in after the marketing generalist that I got was going to be a design person, um, because they can control the brand a little bit more. They can ensure the consistency. And as you know, from our time working together, we had the same sort of approach in in our previous business where, you know, I, I lean, I lent into the skills of other people. And I think that's one of the things that I would say um, was a learning point for me was learning that, as you said, right at the start, you can't do everything um, all the time if you want to grow. And actually you need to embrace that people that work for you need to ultimately be better at you than what you do, because if they are, then you're doing a decent job. And that's
1: sometimes quite an uncomfortable position to be in. When you find, it, it's exactly it, it's exactly it, but when, when you have, you spoke about having, the people who brought, brought in were very, they're doing generalist marketing things, but they have evolved into specialists. How did you identify that particular person to specialize in a particular role? Was it something they would put their hand up and say, listen, I'm passionate about this, I have a, a flair for this, I want to pursue it, or was it more of a case of, hey, you know what, you actually got quite a, a lot of skills in this particular area have you thought about moving into something more specialist or is it a combination of both?
0: Yeah, definitely a combination of both. So um, I've seen and recognised skills in people, but I think one of the really, really important uh, pieces of learning that I've taken myself in my career in marketing is that, and actually it's not just marketing. You can apply this to any, type of role across any business function is if you find people that have a passion for doing something you need to lean into that because the more that you lean into that the more they're going to enjoy their work the more that they then enjoy their work the more that they're going to feel encouraged to be innovative and to try new things and marketing as we all know is about trying new things and some of them work and you you become you come across as an absolute genius and some of them don't work and you say okay well we'll just file that under don't do that again Um, and so for me, it's about talking to people, communicating to them. What do you like? What do you enjoy doing? Let's do more of that, and let's do let's try to do less of the stuff you don't enjoy doing. As it's, it's always going to be a situation where you're never going to have a job where you can only do the stuff that you always love doing. Uh, and obviously, you and I have experienced that in our various uh, uh, history and careers and stuff. You, there's there's some stuff you love doing, some stuff you don't you like doing less. But if you can try and minimize that and and maximize the stuff that you enjoy doing, you're gonna get somebody that learns more, is innovative, um, enjoys their, the job that they're doing, and you get a better output from them.
1: Absolutely, absolutely agree. I just wanna want jump back a, a little bit and go right back to the start, where you, you were talking about when you first join an organization as a, as a marketing leader and a lot of what you do for the first six months is almost just not only just setting out your shop and not only achieving those, those quick wins, but almost validating your hire in the first place, to say there's a reason why marketing is considered not just an offshoot of sales or an extension of HR from an employer brand perspective, but it's its own department, its own revenue generating department in its own right, and we need to make the case for it, for it to grow and for it to be more than just something that sits in situ as a silo. So can you tell me a little bit about how how did you go about making the case to those up the food chain who would say necessarily don't understand marketing, but it isn't something they deal with day after day.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really interesting question. I think for me and my perspective, again, apologies if I'm repeating myself slightly, I've always operated. When you join a new business, get your quick wins in because you get your quick wins in and you demonstrate value and, the more you, the quicker you can demonstrate value. The more that you build trust in people, and the more that you've built in trust in people, the more you're then going to get them saying, "Do you know what? You've done this for, for X amount of time. You know what you're talking about." And so, when you when you have a wacky idea, or if you're thinking, "Actually, I want to hire a person that has these sort of skills," you're more likely to be listened to. So, two things that I always do whenever I join any new business: firstly, look for the low hanging fruit, the quick wins to show that you you, you can do you can deliver value to the business, but then also quickly suss out who are the influencers within an organization, who, and then turn them into your advocates. When you can do that, uh, it's a lot easier to uh, get things over the line.
1: Is it a case of knowing what those people are impressed by and leaning in on that? Or is it, as I, I, I tend to think, uh, it's figure out what their pain points are, but also the things that they find really valuable, and then show them the line that connects those things to what you do in marketing.
0: Yeah, I think I think for me, it's definitely about that pain points bit. It's get get to those pain points as quickly as possible and show, hey, guess what? I'm going to solve this for you, and here's how I'm going to do it. And that's when you get the, oh, okay. But it's also get 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 that communication and get that understanding as quickly as you can. And then once you've got that, action on it quickly because it's all very well understanding what the pain points are, but actually, what you then need to do is to is to develop those quick wins and when i talk about quick wins that is what i'm talking about it's what who is whose voice sometimes is the loudest who do i need to impress the most who do i need to get those quick wins and answer those pain points for and the rest kind of falls into line
1: absolutely 100 agree i want to just jump forward from there too that the the process of building a team now as as you uh, you mentioned you and i have worked together in fact you I actually don't think, when I worked at the, when I was employed by the REC, you weren't the man who interviewed me and hired me. So this, no. this isn't exactly going to be a, a completely line from line sort of thing. But I know for the fact that when you interview someone for a position, you have a style which isn't as formal or perhaps as stilted as some of the other interviewing styles. You You actually, you've told me that one of the things you look for is to kind of take away the stigma of this is a job interview and I am asking you questions related to employment and more I want to get to know this person and then figure out what they're about and then see if there's a connection is it something you still believe in and has that process evolved
0: absolutely a hundred and ten percent for me I what I'm looking for when I interview somebody is I um, what sort of rapport can you build as a as an interviewee? And what sort of rapport can I build you? Because ultimately, I'm going to spend a lot of time with you. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be working with you Monday to Friday, uh, whatever your contracted hours are, and sometimes more and sometimes less. But um, it's about understanding what the passions are of that person and be able to drive those, but also how quickly can they adapt and how quickly will they get on with your team? So. I find the the whole competencies thing really, really interesting as a as a discussion because I often think to myself, and I say this to people, I'm sure I might have said this to you as well. I I can't teach the soft factor stuff like the willingness to learn and the ability to uh, engage and the rapport that you can build. You can't, I can't teach that sort of stuff. I can teach people HubSpot, that's easy. I can teach people email marketing. You can teach people some things like in within the content writing side but it's not always so natural to people so it's about understanding what are the the points what are the trigger points that is going that this person's got from their soft factors rather than the show me all of these qualifications or that you've done this linkedin learning session or that you've you've done a google adwords sort of qualification like because that stuff can be taught. It's actually the behavioral stuff that I focus in on. And then, can I build a rapport with you?
1: Mm, I, I absolutely agree. And the thing is, I I signpost that right from the beginning. It's, it's not something I do by sort of subterfuge and thinking, well, this person's going to be like, oh, this actually isn't as intense of a job interview as I thought it was going to be. I say almost right from the beginning, I know you're going to be, I, I know if I look at your CV, you can probably do the job. And the fact that you are, have been invited to an interview suggests that you can literally do the job as a as a mental and physical exercise. But what this is about is let's, let's work each other out. Let, let's talk and let's get a sense of who we are and what we're about. Uh, because I, I strongly believe that an interview is a two-way street and that I'm not just interviewing and meeting a person thinking this is going to be a potential colleague, but rather they're interviewing me. I'm I'm the spokesperson for my organization. I need to be able to put our best foot forward and and extol the virtues of what working here is all about so there is a there's a little bit of pressure on me as well yeah. but to that end that's a hell of a lot easier if you're not just going through you know this is an interview if you, if you yeah. know what i mean
0: yeah do you know um i subscribe to the concept of d bad and i don't know if i made this up or heard this but basically it's it's a two-way thing d bad is don't be a dick um <laughs> uh don't be a dick because if you come across as the interviewer like a dick to the person, it's not going to affect well on your business because they're going to think, "Ah, oh, why would I want to work for that business?" Or if you're working for a huge brand as well, you know you're you're an ambassador of that brand, and so you know if you're working in B two C, you know you might find out that somebody doesn't want to buy Coca Cola anymore because they suddenly got a bad experience. You know that's the sort of thing. Don't be a dick, be bad. But then actually that. I subscribe to that when i'm interviewing people as well so if somebody comes across as natural and effervescent and is really engaging then just exactly as you said like i'm, I'm only gonna skim the cv because that stuff a lot of it is very very similar depending on how many interviews you're doing
1: mm-hmm. it's so true because once you have seen uh you know one cv one marketing cv you almost feel like you have seen seen them all uh, but I, I found almost like, I, I, and I feel bad, and perhaps I'm belying I'm a little bit of my own strategy here, but again, I, I if I skim it, that's probably as, as, as in-depth into seeing someone as I'm going to get. Like, I want to, I'd rather have them literally tell me the story of themselves to get there. Um, one, I want to talk about once they're in, on the team and once they're on board, I want to talk about ambition and giving people the the length needed to grow into the kind of marketers they want to be, because my philosophy is, if you're hiring, say, like a marketing executive or a marketing assistant, you're hiring for that position today, but, what's, but this is a person you potentially want to become a senior marketing manager, a brand leader, a head of department, how do you make that real from the for them right from the beginning and how do you ensure that is that's still something that they can cling on to and it's not just a carrot you snap away at a moment's notice
0: yeah i think for me it's about being quite clear and transparent when you're communicating to people this is kind of where i see the opportunity is but i think it's also about Again, classic marketing 101, it's about actually putting something that's measurable, you know, be specific, measurable, have um, something that you can say to people, this is the time frame that I'm looking at. And things don't always work out. You know, life isn't linear. You're not always going to have a situation where you're at point A and I think you can get to point B by this time because, you know, nothing is not Everything's fluid business. But if you're transparent with people as to their expectations, here's, here's what I think you can achieve. Here's what I can think you can achieve within this business. Here's the time frame I think you can achieve it in. And also, um, here's the things that you need to do, which I will help you. These are the bits that you need to learn, the milestones that you need to knock down. As long as you're doing that, then I think people understand that. And sometimes, you know, we've you know, we've worked in businesses where you have structures in place that there isn't. Sometimes there's just not a place to go. And that's okay. But as long as you as a leader has have been able to support and impart that knowledge that can help that person to grow in their career, you know it, it then also fosters good relationships that as an individual, you can then carry on beyond the current working environment that you've got. So for example, if people don't mind listening into this, I consider you a friend and we meet for beers and we uh, chew the marketing fat and put the world to rights. And oh, do. for me, that's amazing. And it, the more of those types of relationships I can have, the better.
1: Absolutely. And putting the world to rights is, is putting it mildly. There are, there are times when <laughs> we have laid the world out like Mike Tyson in the middle of the ring, just before we sign off. sir, so I want to have a, just kind of peer into the future and I want you to, to, to lay out what, what is in store for you and the marketing team at LACE? What are some of the things you're excited about and What, for you personally as someone, you're not only developing a team, but you're developing yourself as a marketer. What are some of the things you are really excited about and looking forward to? So I think the organization I'm in is rapidly growing. And as a result of that,
0: there are more opportunities for myself and my team to really drive our own learnings and development across different channels. Like things like generative AI, I've become quite interested, uh, as I'm sure lots of marketers are. Um, in, in some of the outputs of that. So the opportunity to see how far that can take us in terms of minimalizing, um the boring, mundane tasks and and emphasising the the ability to learn and, and pass comment on on issues. I think that's quite an interesting thing. For us as a team, um, trying to drive more content thought leadership. You know, I'm a content marketer and I absolutely love producing interesting and thought-provoking content. So that's, I want our engine to really, just move to that next level and then also uh, starting to segment our audiences and we I guess we go right back to the beginning and when you were talking about generic recruiter email X being sent out to 10,000 people you know, that's that's you know welcome to the 90s man we are we are moving forward in life and life and and everything is becoming hyper personalized and learning how, you can be successful in lead generation through hyper personalization, I think is quite a
1: fascinating thing too. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time on We Need to Talk with MJO, Chris Howard, Marketing Director at Lace Partners. And we are now hard up on one o'clock. And that is that is this week's show. We'll be taking a break for the following week because even old man Oliver here needs time off to, you know, recharge, you know, rejuvenate, come back with more marketing related bollocks to yell at the internet but from myself and Chris Howard thank you very much for joining us if you want to listen back to the podcast it will be available very shortly on demand wherever you get podcasts and hey do you like reading newsletters and do you like watching things and do you like listening to things in newsletters well there's a marketing newsletter out there which has got absolutely nothing to do with marketing but reading it is designed to make you a better marketer it's called reliable sources it comes out every Wednesday here on LinkedIn and on Substack. And guess what? This guy writes it. So read it, subscribe to it, enjoy it, share it. Please do as you will. But for me, Michael, John, Oliver, and Chris Howard, this is We Need to Talk. And we'll be back next week. Well, not next week, the week after, because we do have issues. And
0: we need to talk.
1: We need to talk. Until then, see you later.